Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Jay Davis Show. I'm excited to have Brandon Harvath with us today. He is the president and CEO of Christian Care Ministry. Uh, we're super excited to talk to him. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Do you want to start by uh, giving the audience uh, a little bit of your bio and background? Sure. Um, well, I've been here at Christian Care Ministry for the last couple of years and have the extreme pro privilege and honor of serving as president and CEO. Uh, you know, before that, I was in a totally different space. So I was leading a hospital system. Uh, and that was actually through the COVID pandemic. So if you want to talk about some more stories today, Jay, we can get <laughs> that. Oh, man, uh, what a time, you know, when you think back on your life and you say, you know, or maybe you think forward about your goals you might have. I never thought about, you know, uh, leading a hospital system in a global pandemic, but there you go. Uh, for that, about a decade in health insurance and uh, with some of the largest, um, you know, say Fortune 100s uh, in the country and had the uh, opportunity there to lead international operations as well in healthcare. So, um, but I grew up in financial services. That was my background professionally, uh, you know, degree in finance and started off in, in the banking world uh, at MBNA and Bank of America for almost a decade. So yeah, that, that's my professional background. Love it. Uh, there's not many things in, in our lifetime, I would say, that I think are so definitively before and after like COVID. Oh, my yeah, God. 9-11 yeah. was definitely that way. Absolutely. I feel like COVID's even more. I mean, it was just so long and drawn out that, uh, yeah, it's kind of two different worlds. Yeah, we're still counting. And and I, I don't uh, know that two incredibly different events and for very you know different reasons. And yet, man, we're still trying to measure the fallout, you know, from the COVID pandemic. I, I mean, every single day from mental health to physical health, uh, all the way through to just the core trust that we as Americans have, right? Foundationally, culturally, in some of the uh, systems of our government, right? Uh, and, you know, yeah. the FDA, CDC, you, you name it. I, I think sort of the foundations of where we've been uh, as a country have uh, proverbially been shaken. Yeah, no, it's so true. Well, can you tell us, for those people who don't know about Christian Care Ministry, can you tell more about what it is you guys do uh, and then some of the things you uh, do as president and CEO? Yeah, would would love to. So Christian Care Ministry has been in ministry now for 30 years. So actually, we just celebrated our 30th birthday. Uh, so how about that? So uh, we're having fun with that this year. But, you know, we're actually a 501c3 nonprofit association of churches. So uh, you can think of us as a large uh, church group. We have over 7,000 churches that uh, are part of our association of churches. And we serve hundreds of thousands of members uh, around the country in all 50 states. You know, our, our main uh, uh, ministry that we've had for uh, the, the past three decades has uh, been MediShare. And so a lot of folks probably know us you know, by that brand name, if you will, right, MediShare. But MediShare yeah. is a ministry program of Christian Care Ministry. Uh, we do a lot of other things, too. We have a, a wonderful program uh, called MANA, uh, where we help folks who are in uh, income loss situations. Uh, 65 plus, we help seniors in various areas. And we do some other ministries, like ministering specifically to pastors and churches uh, through events like Thrive and Cultivate, a mental health conference for pastors, uh, and all kinds of things like that. So, yeah, we, we sort of have a, a wide area of ministry that we do, but uh, most most folks probably know us by MediShare. That's awesome. What, what do you feel like has personally shifted for you, maybe not even personally, 
but like professionally, personally, <laughs> like in your jobs uh, for you, what has shifted because of COVID is, are there some lessons that you've learned or things that you now focus more on uh, since the pandemic? Yeah. I, I mean, Jay, probably a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> In life, yeah. you know, some of the things you, you held dear, um, you know, or maybe just culturally normal in life. I mean, everyone has had some conversation around remote work. Okay. Uh, at some point in time over the last several years, if you weren't willing to have that conversation, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, <laughs> you have no choice now right? as a leader. And so even just thinking yeah. about the nature of work, uh, I think this has brought a whole new lens to the idea of the gig economy, right? As you think about folks that are uh, looking at income and looking at work and even the concept of work-life balance through a whole new lens in life, right? And and it's not even that simple anymore to just say work-life balance. And so, you know, I, I think fundamentally how we've just viewed life and culture around us uh, has been, you know, totally different. It's impacted us as a ministry and how we think about meeting the needs, you know, of uh, of those around us and those that we serve on a day to day basis. But yeah, for me, I, I I would even say I find myself, you know, uh, wearing jeans a little more often to the office. I mean, just you know, simple little things like that to just yeah. uh, ha- have that a dose of humanity and just reality in life. Yeah, it's amazing how I feel like the. <clears throat> the work uh, outfit, <laughs> like the the kind of standard work outfit for men and women has totally shifted. Completely uh, changed. Very different. Yeah. I mean, how many times did you see the the half outfit on, on the first Zoom calls, right? When uh, COVID, yeah. people are getting used to it and they've got the, you know, the nice top and, and every once in a while you slip and see the uh, sweatpants, you know, uh, things <laughs> like that. But but it's true. We've kind of gotten past that, you know, the the dog or the cat on occasion in the background. That would have been that was totally taboo, right? Five years ago. Yeah. Now, you know, I yeah. mean, we're, we're humans. Let's act like we are just as we are normal fallen uh, creatures right here yeah. uh, in God's creation. So, yeah, it's <clears throat> I actually think that's one of the I mean, it's a horror. You never want to go through a pandemic. But I do think that that is one of the benefits that we've had is just a realization of like, hey, I don't know where that taboo came from. I think a lot of it's more that more corporate culture. But yeah, I love talking to vendors and they're like, hey, my my kid is, uh, you know, needs something real quick. Like, I'll be right back. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Or, you know, your dog runs through. It's like, it's not like you said, we're human beings. Uh, And I think that's a really positive thing that's come out of it is is more of this conversation. As a leader, how are you approaching hybrid work or remote work? Uh, what do you think of the pros and cons, some of the challenges? Uh, cool. I think exactly as you said, we didn't talk about it like we do now. Right. Uh, yeah. Five years ago, it wasn't it, the conversation. But how are you approaching it as a leader? Well, you know, as a ministry, right? And uh, as a person of faith, right? As a, a Christian, uh, one of the things um, that I've just tried to remind myself is that God uses technology. Uh, for his glory all the time. Okay. So whether you are a church, you're in a ministry, uh, if, if you're in the secular workforce and any other job, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the, and, and I go back and I look at examples like this, Jay, the, the gospel would not have traveled as fast in the first few centuries without the technology of the Roman roads. Okay. That were built yeah. the, that allowed for its travel. Uh, the Bible's publication wouldn't have you know, had over 5 billion copies printed today without the Gutenberg press, okay, centuries ago. 
And so when when I look at technology like that, the, the, the humbling aspect of just remembering that used for God's glory and in the right way, all of these tools can be incredibly powerful and helpful. So whether it's, you know, Zoom calls, you know, working remote, whether it's AI or whatever comes next, I think through the proper lens under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as a Christian, we can not have fear of those things and really think powerfully about how to leverage them for the right purposes. And, and in our case, it's for the gospel. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I love that approach. How do you uh, how do you find, or are there things that you're doing to help people have kind of that connection? Are you guys fully remote? Or are you hybrid? What's kind of your setup? And yeah, so how I, do you I should keep have, that connection. I, I should have answered the question. So we, we no, actually embrace a, a hybrid environment, right? And so we, yeah. we love that hybrid uh, version of, yes, it's perfectly fine to have that flexibility of some time remotely, right? Working at home. Uh, or in your remote office, whatever the case may be. But then the two or three days a week, uh, we want you in the office if you're within a certain radius of the office. And part of that is just the reminder that, man, as humans, we were built for fellowship with one another, right? We were created by a uh, by, by our creator, by God, with a divine purpose, right? And, and an ability to communicate with each other, right? And it's really hard without being nose to nose, toes to toes, as uh, some people have told me, right? To, to really get that kind of synergy out of relationship. Can you supplement it with technology? Can we do all of those things? A hundred percent, yes, right? Praise the Lord for phones, <laughs> right? For, for connections like this. Uh, but man, if, if you just, if you completely eliminate that human element, I think organizations, ministries, companies are just going to miss out on on a, a really powerful component of how humans interact at their core. Yeah. I think that's the balance I've tried to find. We're very lucky in that we live in a place in Utah where we're very close to each other. And so we don't have some of the challenges. And I understand those challenges. I understand why people yeah. don't want to be commuting for four hours a day. Right. It takes a lot of time away from family and our average commute here is is like 15, 20 minutes. And so it's yep. really nice. It's like, hey, we can be in the office. Um, but I also love the concept and, and I agree with you and that's something we've tried to think about is there is a portion of our work that I think you want that collaboration. You want that interacting, like you said, nose to nose and toes to toes. And it's hard to do that. One of the struggles I had during the pandemic when we were doing more remote was every little five-minute conversation turned into an hour Zoom call. That's uh, right. So you couldn't you couldn't see someone in the hall and say, "Hey, I want to I want to pick your brain. Let's whiteboard for three minutes, five minutes." Okay, cool. You go do that. I'll do this. And so everything turned into like this kind of big conversation and. Um, one of my favorite principles is the Parkinson principle, which is uh, any task will fill the time you give it. And so if you say, hey, we have a 30-minute call, you'll fill the 30-minute call. Like you never have like six minutes in. You're like, okay, see ya. We're good. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's it's trying to find that balance and then also the balance of, I, there's a, I think it's Paul Graham wrote a great blog post about, you know, there's a portion of our work that you need to get into that flow and you need to kind of be alone and and so I think that's, I really love the model you said of like having a, having some time where it's like, go deep, get in flow, have that time to get that kind of work done, and then have some other time where it's more collaborative. Yeah. No, we try to be intentional about the time when we are together and make it well worth the time, right? So 
you know, those days. And, you know, so every Wednesday here at our ministry, we have an all hands meeting. It's our uh, weekly chapel service. Uh, and that is a particular day where you're expected to be here. Right. And we want to engage with you. And so we, we create some infrastructure and culture around it. Right. So that there is still um, some thoughtfulness and it's not just random. Right. But there are exactly as you said, plenty of tasks, right, that uh, we can easily accomplish at home, off hours, right, at our convenience. I think that fundamental model, uh, model even of, you know, that 40-day work week, eight to five, Monday to Friday, uh, is in, in so many ways, uh, in some sense, a dinosaur, right? And it's uh, helpful for organizations to think yeah. outside of that box. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that's something that people are thinking about. And like you said, so much of this technology, I think, is a blessing uh, from God and from a Creator who wants us to to live good lives and to be yeah. happy. And so, yeah, uh, I I think it's uh, it's a good reminder for for every leader of being more intentional. I love that you said that. Yeah. Um, how do you approach? One thing I always love talking to leaders from nonprofits is. You are a nonprofit, but you're still a business. Yeah. Uh, you're just a nonprofit business. Uh, how do you approach that? And maybe what are some of the challenges of leading something that sometimes people maybe forget is still a business? Right. It's just not driven by profit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jay, it's certainly a question uh, organizations wrestle with. Uh, I've come to terms with it in so many ways, just on a super personal level, right? The metrics are different, but the excellence of the work and the demands and, and how you want to achieve your mission and vision should not change. If anything, nonprofits have a demand on them of a much higher calling, right? In, in so many different ways. And so uh, for me, it comes down to making sure the measurements are right, right? How we think about uh, and I, I just believe this, you know, at my core, what gets measured gets attended to, right? And as they say, what gets attended to gets done in, in organizations. And so I start by making sure folks understand what my definition of leadership is, if I could, um, you know, put it that way. And uh, for me, very simply put, Jay, that starts with pointing people closer to Jesus Christ. So when I leave people, right, whether it's one-on-ones, uh, whether it's conversations like this, whether it's in the hallway, whether it's in our weekly chapel services, whatever the case may be, I want to be able to walk away from that and say, I pointed that individual closer to Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm not accomplishing that, any measure, right, or, or metric uh, that's financial, quantitative, or, or otherwise is kind of out the window, right? We haven't achieved our ultimate, you know, mission and vision as an organization. So I look at it as just a much more complex problem. I think it deserves, you know, that kind of thoughtfulness and that kind of deep, uh, not only philosophical, but spiritual uh, analysis and, and, and thoughtfulness when organizations create their metrics and targets and goals. A lot of uh, nonprofits, you know, can get off track when, you know, they just look at the bottom line and, and they get stuck in that rut acting like they're a for-profit organization. Uh, and before you know it, you end up with issues like mission drift, right? You end up working on things that have nothing to do with why that organization was called to exist, you know, to begin with. I actually think that's something that a lot of for-profit businesses can learn from and struggle with as well. They, it's very easy to all of a sudden find yourself you know, going against your strategies. Uh, my dad actually has a saying where he says, you know, if someone shows up tomorrow in your business and says, here's a billion dollars, I'll give it to you if you change your strategy, you never had a strategy to begin with. 
um, because you're just chasing money. And I think that that's, it's, uh, it's just as crucial. I, like you said, I think it actually is a huge benefit for nonprofits of, Hey, we really can focus on this mission. Um, but yeah, the profit I think kind of almost comes actually as, as a result of focusing on that, that mission. So yeah, I, I, that's I, a I great love- reminder. Good colleague, uh, you know, I, I used to say, you know, from time to time, uh, no margin, no mission, right? If you've ever heard that <laughs> phrase before. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not that you want to uh, ignore those critical metrics that help um, demonstrate the financial or performance health of an organization. But you know what they would often remind me of is, yeah, Brandon, you got that backwards. No mission, no margin. And when you've got the yeah. mission, right, right, and and you're clear on that mission and the organization is geared around that mission and fully committed to that mission deeply, right, in its soul, <laughs> right, in its culture, then the margin comes, right? And and then, yeah. you know, even as your dad put it, right, it's clear that there is um, a, a, a mission and a vision driving that organization. Yeah. What, uh, what surprising lesson, I mean, it sounds like you've, you've shifted, uh, from more non or more profit for profit businesses and shifted. What are some of the unexpected lessons you've learned working in a nonprofit? (laughs) Oh man. Um, well, you know, it it might be tempting, right? I I would say, I don't know that I walked in with this assumption, Jay, but it might be uh, tempting to think that somehow you know, nonprofit land is uh, maybe easier than for-profit yeah. land, right? And that may have been a point of uh, naivety on, on on my end that, hey, you know, actually, uh, and it is true, non, nonprofit uh, in, in its essence is very freeing because to your point earlier, it allows you to really focus deeply on that mission and vision as an organization. I, yeah. I would actually argue uh, this has been the most uh, intellectually challenging uh, role that I've had the opportunity to serve in. And that to me has just made all the difference. And I, I mean that in a very good way, right? <laughs> so I've worked in some large Fortune 100 for-profit organizations, but if you've got listeners or folks out there who have ever thought about, well, you know, maybe I should go work on something more missional, right? Or in nonprofit land, but eh, wouldn't be as challenging. Man, I, I got news for you. I found it to be 10 times the opposite, right? <laughs> the other way yeah. around. Uh, and in a very, very good way. So not only are you focused on solving problems, but you're doing it for a powerful purpose, right? A very deeply meaningful uh, purpose in, in so many different ways. So for me, that was probably, um, you know, again, maybe a little bit of naivety, but I, I would say I just found it to be uh, so much more challenging uh, in, in a good, encouraging way than I ever would have anticipated. That's awesome. And I, and I think that's really great point. It's, uh, I think that's some of the, the challenges, like you still have to, you still have to provide value and, and be a business, but you're doing it for this much bigger, much bigger goal. Uh, what, what are you guys working on that you're excited about? Any yes. new initiatives or, or innovation that you're, you're excited to share with people? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot of folks know us by MetaShare, but let me, um, let me maybe back up and tell you a little bit about why we do what we do. Uh, yeah. And then hopefully that'll give you a, you know, bird's eye view to the platform that we're creating, you know, if you will, for the future. And so uh, if, um, if you go all the way back to the early church, okay, so this is Acts 2, Acts 2, 42 in particular, you see some examples of where in that early church model, 
believers came together and they had all things in common. They shared all things in common and they took care of one another, right? So th this is the first and the second commandment, right? The greatest, if you will, the, the golden rule, right? Love God and love your neighbor, okay? And that's exactly what the early church model was baked on. Now, if you fast forward a bit, uh, and there are other commands in scripture where we see examples, like in Galatians 6, where it, it says very specifically, we should bear one another's burdens, okay? Uh, if you fast forward in Acts to Acts 6, historically, there's this, um, you know, little excerpt there in, at the beginning of Acts 6, the first uh, seven verses, that tell us a story of a problem that had begun to creep into the early church. And, and we read the story about the widows. And it goes like this. There was a group of, you know, Hellenists, and then you had the Jewish widows that were there in Jerusalem. And the Hellenists were the outsiders, right, if you will, uh, the foreigners in, in the land. And they were being neglected in that daily distribution. Okay, so clearly the church was sharing things. They had all things in common. That was wonderful. But it wasn't happening equally. It wasn't happening equitably. Uh, you could argue it was the first little bite of um, racism and even denominationalism coming into the church. Not good. And the problem statement was very clear. Right there in Acts 6, you can read that as a result, the word, the, the preaching of the word, the ministry of prayer was being neglected. Okay, not good. And so the church wasn't growing as it should have been. It wasn't loving each other as it should have been. And so the apostles got together and said, you know what? It's important that we fix this problem. Let's appoint people with three qualifications who are full of the spirit, full of wisdom and of good reputation that can be responsible for connecting needs in this community to the resources. Okay. So, so Jay, when they implemented that, we see in verse seven, very specifically that as a result, the church grew and it flourished and it thrived. And so using that model of saying the church has to be about deacons who connect needs with resources or else it's not going to thrive. If we sit back and we let people like pastors, like leaders of nonprofits or uh, other other groups um, kind of just deal with all of the problems in, in the church, it's never going to thrive. So we we believe and we look at ourselves as a, a 21st century deacon ministry. I mean, Jay, our, our literal job is to connect needs with resources. And so we're, we're doing that deeply in the healthcare field, uh, for sure. But we're asking the question to say, okay, well, where are the other needs and sufferings that the world needs help connecting to resources? Okay, so we, we partner with them, and I'll, I'll give you one example just to get, you know, your brain thinking. Uh, we, we support and love uh, a nonprofit um, a partner called Global Orphan Project. Okay, a amazing organization. And this is what they do, similar to the MediShare platform, right? Similar to how we connect needs with resources in healthcare. They take those needs that orphans, uh, that, that uh, kids in the foster system have, and they connect it to a state agency and then to the local church. So the local church can identify that need and go show up at grandmom's door, at dad's door, at mom's door, wherever, with the need being met so the kid can stay in their home and with their family and not be subjected to this uh, foster system. We look at it and we say, man, I don't know if you know this, there, there are actually more churches in the U.S. than there are kids in the foster system. And, and so when, when you make that connection and you say, man, the church has a huge opportunity here to be the deacons of the 21st century to connect needs with resources 
in more powerful ways than we have ever considered before. So that's what we're about here at CCA. That's what we're, that's what we talk about every day. Uh, those are the areas that we focus on. Uh, obviously we serve very deeply in the space of healthcare. Why? Because it's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar problem, not, not only for, you know, you and I, for the church at large. And, and I, I would argue for, you know, every American, it's an expensive problem. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's a great reminder. I mean, it's, I actually was talking to a, a, a friend who runs a, uh, it actually is a business uh, called Dollar Donation Club. But the whole idea is just everyone dollar, donating $1 uh, a month and just the power of, you know, you get enough people donating a, a single dollar and um, their goal is to get to the point where they can donate a billion dollars uh, a month. Um, or about a billion dollars a year. And, and it's true. It's, you, you split it up into those small goals. You know, you say if every church could take one foster kid, yeah. um, it's a pretty, pretty incredible, uh, incredible thing that we could do. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, how, if anyone is interested in working with you guys, uh, in, in helping, uh, contributing, what's kind of the best ways for people to get involved, for people to follow what you're doing? Uh, and maybe have an impact or contribute. Yeah. Well, Jay, let me give you a few examples and say we have a wonderful program called Extra Blessings. Okay. So if you want to contribute okay. and yes. frankly, just donate uh, to Extra Blessings, it's a powerful way to help families in need who have medical bills that uh, obviously exceed their uh, capacity and capability. And that's exactly where we're trying to fill the gap in connecting those needs to resources. And so Extra Blessings is a great you know, place to donate, and that helps go directly to meeting the needs of these uh, medical bills uh, for families. You know, if you want to uh, even look at uh, some of the other ministry opportunities that we have through uh, Student Leadership University, if um, you're familiar with Dr. Jay Strack's uh, wonderful ministry that they have in training up uh, young leaders uh, for Christ and in a leadership program, a run, wonderful way to get involved and, and just participate. Or if you just you need a solution around healthcare yourself, and and this aligns with your values, and you want to check us out, uh, you can certainly go to mychristiancare.org uh, or metashare.com and check out all of uh, our various programs. Um, we've got a wonderful group for those over sixty-five, and you know, obviously, Metashare for families and individuals, um, and a number of other programs that uh, your listeners might find interesting. That's amazing. Where is it? Extra blessings dot. Org, yeah, it's where, actually where right through the mychristiancare.org uh, website and you'll find oh, extra. Great. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing uh, some of your experience and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Jay, thanks for having me today. Yeah, thank you. 